Hello and welcome to the Perth to Paisley podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel McIver. As always, I am joined by Adam Kennedy. Adam, how you doing? All good, mate. All good. How are you? I'm very, very good, thank you. Uh, this is episode nine of the official Perth to Paisley podcast. However, we have done 10 episodes now, if you include something we will just get on to in a minute. However, it wouldn't be a Perth to Paisley podcast if Daniel didn't have admin at the start so basically the admin's a positive thing it's just massive thank you to everyone who has listened to our stuff over the last week it has been our most successful week ever as a podcast adam do you have anything to say about that just absolutely blown away by all the support i mean you you must be chuffed i'm i've got to be honest i'm absolutely gutted and that i couldn't partake in the interview (laughs) but just yeah just unbelievable response absolutely delighted with it so thank you very much folks it's been hopefully hopefully it's the first of many definitely it's been very successful and this is such breaking news that adam doesn't even know this this is big go on this is big so next week will be our 10th episode of actual perth to pays the podcast not just interviews. So as a result, we will be having a special guest in the form of Mr. Robert Borthwick will be on the podcast. Wonderful stuff. Excellent. Good, good. So that's happening. He gave me hassle about it, being like, when am I coming on? And I was like, right, all right, fine. Next week then. And he was like, right, that's perfect. So next week, you will be having ourselves and Robert Borthwick on. We don't know what we're going to be speaking about yet, but I'll work it out and I'll get it all sorted. So... That'll be great. We are, we're going to do all the usual pattern at the start. We are at Pertipaisley on Twitter, Pertipaisley at gmail.com. If you want to send us questions or general feedback, uh, we're available on all good platforms. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. It's much appreciated. However, now we will move into what will probably be the largest section of today. And I don't know how much talking I'll be doing because it is going to be me and Adam discussing what went up last week, Pettipaisley speaks with Andy Driver. Andy and me sat down literally 15 minutes after the Europa League final, so that Friday night. We sat down, chatted for roughly an hour and a bit. It was just a wee bit longer than the actual podcast went. Um, For me personally, I'll just say this at the start, as I said in the interview, Andy was in all sincerity, one of my favourite players ever for Hearts, and at a period of time was my favourite player. Uh, he definitely didn't let me forget the fact that I technically ended his career for a period of time, but we'll move on from that. Um, it was a great experience, and he was so genuine, uh, I felt, and he was just a great guy to speak to. However, we and you haven't really spoken about your thoughts on the podcast overall because we were waiting for this. So, first of all, as a general thought process, because I know you've done extensive notework on this what was your overall thoughts on the chat you're so full of shit (laughs) um he also didn't let you forget that he scored three goals in the derbies twice at twice at tiny and once at easter road um what 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 can we say i mean what a lovely guy such such a humble man um Mm. because i know that if i'd won a cup with hearts in well, certainly the biggest game probably that we've had supporting Hearts, I'd be a right bellend. So, I mean, the, the one thing that did irk me that he said, 
How does he not consider himself a heart le- a heart's legend? That is the biggest load of nonsense I've ever heard in my life. So if you're listening, Andy, you're at it. I'm going to clip that and send it to him on WhatsApp and just be like, here's what my co-host thinks of you with none of the context. Just, Andy, you're at it. Just that. I, I'm after his number as well because he's, he's pulled Bertie Beasley back. You've got his number, but I don't. So, no, <laughs> what a guy, honestly. Just some, some of his stories were brilliant. Um, I think 2012, obviously... I'm surprised that that took kind of so so little of the interview, which mm-hmm. was quite good because I think everybody's kind of heard the 2012 stuff. Um, but what I will say is that obviously loads of fans share the view that the 2012 semi was arguably our final. And it was quite interesting that coming from a player, because surely there would have been much more pressure surrounding the final. And I I was very intrigued to kind of learn that he thought that the 2012 semi was in essence our final. Um, and listen, it's absolutely crazy this week. I thought it was absolutely lovely of him to let Matt Doherty out of his pocket so that he could uh, sign for Spurs. So, Honestly, uh, I couldn't believe... The, when has Matt Doherty been like relevant in terms of news for years? Then the day we release the podcast, it gets linked to Spurs. And then it all just seemed to go pretty much from there didn't it so yeah. no, it, it was it was good you you obviously touched on it I mean Andy Driver was one of my favorite players growing up as well I, it kind of I've, I've always had this thing for wingers so he and he, he and David Templeton when when I was growing up they were two of my absolute favorites because they were genuinely Temps was kind of more an inside forward like he'd cut mm-hmm. in from time to time but I think Andy Driver was just hit the byline Stick across and then and see what happens, but definitely, uh, definitely some noteworthy things to to pick up from it. I mean, how was the experience for you? It must have just been mental. It it was really surreal, like because I'm not like going to try and act like I wasn't nervous going into it. I was fucking terrified because you get it. You always hope when you're interviewing. Like I've done a lot of interviews in another vein of work, but I've done very little interviews in terms of football and you always as a just as a person never mind as an interviewer I I wouldn't say it was an interview to be honest at the end of the day it it did just feel like a chat which has been such a positive aspect of the reaction we've had because the reaction we've had has been overwhelmingly positive to that and obviously I'm sat there talking to him recording it and putting it up and there is an element to me being like oh i hope i haven't ruined this because i know that I, everybody wants to hear Andy driver speak nobody wants to hear the guy chatting to him speak so i really tried to make it about him i i am of the opinion that an interviewer shouldn't make it about themselves i don't like it when you see on like if you go to the complete other end of the spectrum on chat shows where an interviewer will ask a question the, the guy or woman will be interview uh, answering the question and then they cut in and ask other questions I, I find that quite annoying so I tried to avoid that and the reaction has been very positive um but it, the fear that you have going into those situations is that it's going to be uncomfortable especially because we had never sp- we'd only spoken through messages 
that was the first time we'd ever actually properly spoken to each other. Um, so the fear that you have is you go in with a bunch of prep, like like I did, and he gives one word answers to everything, doesn't really elaborate on points, is quite stilted, and the interview is over in 20 minutes. And as I say, it went far longer than I expected because we just it was just so natural. It was so lovely. And as you hinted at, and I kind of wanted to get more on your thoughts on this, like, I felt he was so, not self-deprecating, because that's maybe too harsh, but he he was so humble, and I think he played down his achievements so much. Definitely. I mean, I I actually thought he spoke really passionately about his time at Hearts. He seemed to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, he touched on his good relationship with the fans and what have you. Um, but there was there was stuff in there I, di- I didn't have a clue about. Like I didn't even realise that he played for Hutchie Vale at all. Mm-hmm. Um and they seem to have done hearts a right turn um, yeah. over the years, not just with Andy Driver, but um, touching on his career, I mean, it was clear to see that he's gutted about some of the injuries that he sustained, obviously, as much as we are. Um, but I loved when he was talking about Paolo Sergio coming in and then subsequently dropping him, and then he kind of had to get the finger out. I thought that was mm-hmm. a great lesson for kind of any aspiring young footballer. Um I like the aspect of him kind of, on that point, kind of not being your typical footballer. Like when he spoke about how the first time he was picked up for the squad, he was out drinking in a park. And when he had his injury, he was saying that the answer he gives isn't what many would give as he was, he wasn't really that fussed by it because he was living in Edinburgh and that he called him, he said he wasn't exactly the model professional. (laughs) No, that was funny. And I, I thought it was quite intriguing touching on that model professional malarkey, obviously he was talking about injuries and whatever. And later on, I think he was, I think he was kind of blaming his diet or whatnot. Yeah, um, he said, he said that, uh, oh, what was the He said that when he was 28, if he'd started doing and having a diet plan, an exercise plan that he did when he was 28, he feels his career would have been longer because he would have been doing it for a longer period of time and the injuries maybe wouldn't have come up so prevalently. Yeah, so that, that that was great. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. I'm obviously delighted that you asked my question because um, I, I, can, I can recall clubs sniffing around them. Um, the Burnley, Burnley kind of move in particular, but the fact that that was in 2008 just blew my mind. I can't believe it's that long ago. That's genuinely worrying. Yeah. Um, his story about Larry Kingston as well was hilarious. That's been th- that's been the kind of main standout point for that interview. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, and uh, my workmate Lewis, he he answered. He asked one of the questions about the the best player they ever played with at Hearts, and mm-hmm. I think the fact that he answered with Larry Kingston might have raised a couple of eyebrows. Um, I'm delighted that Lewis got his question asked as well because he's the guy that came up with the you know the. A blue stripe concept with a strong bone, what have you? Oh, the eye! It's, it was his graphic, so obviously I shared that, oh, and quality. obviously he he got yeah he got the uh, rave reviews for that. So great guy! So I'm delighted that he got his his uh, his question asked. But I'd I'd have loved to have heard uh, heard more on uh, Mad Vlad because that was just such a bonkers time for a senior player. Never mind a young player. Um, I loved how he was like Burnley came up with a deal then Brad just asked for double <laughs> a shit house or anything um, 
No, I, I, it was it was it was brilliant. So top effort, mate. Well done. Very good. I, a big talking point is that Andy said to me privately that he really enjoyed the question aspect. And I am sorry, like I had a couple of tweets with people being like, really enjoyed the interview, gutted, I couldn't get my question asked. I am really sorry if you didn't get your individual question asked. I had other talking points planned and I had other questions planned, but the way it was just so naturally changing that oftentimes we'd gone right past a topic and I didn't just want to go back just for an arbitrary reason. But in the future, as we said, we are really wanting to do more stuff like this and there is potential for us to do stuff hopefully soon, sooner rather than later, I guess. Um, but So please do send in questions because they make it far more fun. Like, obviously, I had a lot of questions myself, like, throughout the time, like, um, particularly about his time with Hutchie and the youth team and breaking into the team and then the kind of questions from you guys came through a bit more. But So I'm always going to have questions planned. However it made it much more enjoyable because I'm just one person. Adam's just one person. Like we can't think of everything that you'd want asked. And there was some questions that we ended up asking them such as how specific that Larry Kingston one was. I would never have thought of that, but it created the highlight of what many people are saying to podcasts. So you guys support is exactly what made that interview that it wasn't me. It was Andy. And it was the questions that were asked. Definitely. And this this might seem a bit odd, but if, if anybody knows folk of note, hearts related, of course, that could be available for an interview, please get in touch because I'm sure that we can build relations with people and whatever. Mm-hmm. So so that would be great to kind of build up the clientele and uh, get get some chats on the go. That would be that would be brilliant. Absolutely. Well, we'll now stop speaking about me and now Adam's gonna speak a lot because I have had internet troubles today however our manager love of the lives robbie nielsen was on sports sound and apparently did very well i couldn't listen to it because they lack internet so adam what was he saying well first of all i've got to say that i'm absolutely devastated that robbie was on the radio and not on the box because what a strapping man um <laughs> obviously i realized that i'm giving sports sound plenty of plugs these these last few weeks because I work early mornings so between four and five o'clock these seem to get me through the first hour of my shifts so was buzzing to see that Robbie was on with uh, with David Curry and Stephen Cragen and he talked about a variety of different uh, topics so he spoke about the frustrations regarding the training uh, the promotion rivals within the league and the uh, the Sheffield United game which we'll which we'll touch on um but the kind of stop startage of training was the the big point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't specify exactly why it was stopping. He just said that they deemed it an, an unfair advantage, which, I mean, what a load of absolute tosh. Like, it's just nonsense. Um, I love that David Curry seemed to put forward the idea that if Farron Hickey goes to Bayern Munich, we could try and loan him back. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of everybody's... Um, want so I mean I, I don't know whether it's going to be Bayern or Bologna or somebody else but anyway um, but definitely I think the main positive for me that he was talking about was kind of including some of the youngsters um, who I hope that can obviously get their chance he talked about trimming the squad and obviously we've had the departures with 
Claire, uh, Washington, Uche off the top of my head. So hopefully that should equate to kind of more game time for the youngsters. So I think it's very encouraging. I think although it was kind of brief, it seems to, he came across as though we are in really good hands. Um, and obviously, having signed Elliot Freer, he also mentioned the hunt for a right winger. I think from the Sheffield United game, it's clear to see that we obviously need another centre-half, and that'd be obviously doubled with the fact that John Suter's now injured as well. Mm-hmm. So, although that's kind of common knowledge, I think we should be gearing up for a centre-half and a right winger, which which would be great. Um, Did he specify which youngsters he wanted to come through, or was he just making a general point about he wants to bring the young guys in? It was just a general point, but I, I, I mean, I've, I've been hearing lots about kind of everybody praising Mickey Mellon for these, some of these youngsters at United. But Robbie talked about that himself. He says he only kind of wants to work with about 16 or so, mm-hmm. so, so-called senior players. And I think the rest will just be kids because I was very pleased to see that he'd obviously talked about more game time and whatever. And I think that's obviously everybody's praised Levine for the academy the last few years whether it be McDonald, Cochrane and whoever, but now would be a great time for them to, to crack on. And who better talking about the academy than arguably one of our greatest ever academy products? He also called Craig Gordon the best keeper in the country when fully fit. Would you would you go along with that? Oh, um, I, I can't really think of somebody I'd say above them. I think when he's fully fit and firing and when they're playing well, Lewis at Aberdeen's really good. Um, God. I don't, because you can't really look at the fact... Because Gordon was a crucial aspect of Celtic's title wins throughout his time there. Like You can't say that the guy who was number one for the guys who have just won everything isn't that. And when you look at the career Gordon's had... I think he is probably right. We're going to get called biased for that. Robbie's going to get called biased for that. But I, I can't think of another one who is at that level personally. What about you? Well, it's funny you mentioned the bias because I, I've got to be honest here. I, I think Alan McGregor's a great keeper. But John McLaughlin doesn't look out of place at Rangers. I'm pretty sure John McLaughlin's in the, in the latest Scotland squad, isn't he? I believe so, yes, upon checking he is. Excellent. Um so yeah, for me I don't think I don't think there's many better than, than Craig Gordon. Joe Lewis, I would go along with. I think he's a cracking keeper. Um Marciano's decent, but I'm not gonna say that he's brilliant because he plays for Hibs. I don't even think Marciano's that decent. Do you not? I think he's I think he's a good shot stopper, but I've never seen him fill me with confidence, which has always been a positive thing. But I never feel he has command of his area. Interesting. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Certainly in, in the Premiership. Ladecki last Taylor, season for St Mirren was good, but he's away to Salford now. I think he's overrated, mate. Eh? What? Genuinely. Oh, I thought he was quality. Oh, I do. I do. I... I Booker said that to me all the time, but he conceded five to a rank rotten hearts team. Right, but so did like, but we beat Rangers twice, mate. No, Alan that's, that's McGregor a... was in goals for them. 
I don't know. I just think I'm trying to think about other keepers in the Premiership. I think Trevor Carson's quite underrated. True, very true. Um, There's nobody in this league that Gordon's worse than. Gordon's the best keeper in no. this league. No, definitely, definitely. Um, Bear is the best keeper in this league, apart from fucking Gordon. Wow. <laughs> Listen, it, it happened last week, right? But again, this I'll be annoyed if we lose more than three games. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting, definitely. I think it's just. I don't know. I don't know. Did Nielsen know. speak about that? Did Nielsen speak about the quality of the opposition? Because I imagine, because I think you hinted out there that he said about the promotion rivals, I imagine Cragen will have asked a question about that and Nielsen would have given quite a political answer, which is right from to do, kind of being like, oh, listen, I know we're the favourites. However, we're not going to take any team lightly and there are quite a few good teams in this league. Was it that? Or was he just like, nah, we've got this, lads? You're... You're bang on what you say, but it's kind of in different aspects. So, Robbie was sort of conservative with his answers and said that we are the favourites. And obviously, he's under pressure from Curry and Cregan because of his track record with getting promoted with us and United and blah, 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 blah. But Stephen Cregan was pretty complimentary. He'd said that he'd obviously managed to make out the, the hardest championship possibly ever. Um Robbie touched on three teams. So he touched on Dundee, who are absolute dug meat. They should be nowhere near it. Mm-hmm. He touched on Inverness, which I could see. And he touched on Dunfermline as well, which I thought was intriguing. So That's interesting. But they were also talking about how it's going down to 27 games. And yeah. Stephen Cragen thought that perhaps Air, uh, I think he mentioned Air. Our broth and later Aloha is like three outsiders for kind of the, the playoff places. Um, but as for, I mean, I think, I think Robbie knows that it should be nailed on. I think the majority of the media will be watching with intrigue, um, probably praying for our downfall, but no doubt be, be backing us to, to win the league. I think personally the only team that could cause us slight issues is Inverness. I'm I'm dreading the trip up there because when was the last time we even won up in Inverness? I did Ken, but you, how confident are you that we'll even be allowed to go to games up there? <laughs> to be honest, it's probably it's probably a benefit if we don't. I genuinely, I, I think our records rank up there. Um, Actually, that's a that's a question for you. This is unplanned, but I've just thought of this now. Go on. So, obviously, this is going to be the weirdest football season in our lifetimes and in many people's lifetimes. As obviously, just now we're seeing that apparently at low capacity, we could get back. So, by the time that we start this sentence and question, might be irrelevant. But do you think the lack of fans will hinder or help us? It's um, a good question. I think, in some ways, it will do both. I think that it's funny because I, I I can remember Kevin Kyle talking about Sunderland's troubles, and he's saying when you go from playing at the Stadium of Light, the forty odd thousand or whatever it is, to these shitty other little grounds. It, it, it's basically like the, the top end of the spectrum 
and the bottom. And I I just feel like I just feel like yeah, because it's not folk folk the fans can't criticize. And I think as much as Hearts fans are brilliant for backing their team, I mean We're brilliant last, for no backing it as well. Yeah. Last season Tiny was toxic, absolutely toxic. Um in all the long ways. Yeah. So I feel like in, in some ways it'll be a great benefit. Don't get me wrong. I mean, fans pay their money. They're entitled to moan, boo, do whatever they want to do, but I, I'm, I'm unsure whether it will be a help or a hindrance. I mean, it, really, I, I look at some of the games without fans. It's funny because I think the majority of the, the premiership games, I think the stats are actually favouring away teams. Well, that's what I was going to, that was what my point was going to be because I wish I had those stats to hand. I was, what was going to be interesting was, is that obviously when like Alawa come to Tynecastle and there's 20,000 folks screaming at them, that puts them under the cosh. Everybody says who comes here, we'll touch on them in a wee minute. Elliot Freer and his decision to come here, he was like, oh, I remember, kind of getting a bit nervous coming onto the pitch because it's so close. Tynecastle's famous for that. That now won't be a thing. Every single ground you go to will be an equal playing field because you don't have that home advantage. So it will be interesting to see if simultaneously our away form picks up because it's been so dire recently. But, I mean, I say our home form as if it's been great, but if our home form will kind of tail off and it'll average out as just it doesn't really matter whether or not you're home or away anymore. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I, I think Tynecastle's lost that kind of intimidating atmosphere in the past few years, which almost makes it kind of go against what what you've touched on because I feel like if I was an opposition manager coming to Tynecastle last season, I'd say keep it kind of tight for the first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Make the crowd get on their backs. Try and play some stuff and we'll take it from there in order to try and get a result. I feel like it was easy to secure a result. Mm-hmm. And that because you're not frustrating the, the home crowd as much, I don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tricky predicament. I mean, we, we should be winning this league with or without fans. Mm-hmm. But it, it will be interesting to see, firstly, if, if this will even happen. And secondly, just the effects of if there are no fans, what it's going to do for us. Definitely. But Robbie seems confident. He does. He does. And he, he came across really well in the interview, definitely. Um, we touched on Craig Gordon there. <laughs> he, he also spoke about his chats with Steve Clark and saying that if Stephen Naismith and Craig Gordon both perform, then they will be involved from a Scotland perspective. My question to you, because I obviously know that you've been nervous regarding uh, Stephen Naismith's injury history would you want would you want us to run that risk and have him go away with Scotland I think Craig Gordon's different but Nasey's the one that's I'm, I'm not sure whether it's going to be a help or a hindrance having him away with Scotland what's what's your take on it well this is the thing I have a very individual not an individual view of international football because my view is shared by many, it's I don't care about international football at all, right? 
Hallelujah. Right, like I don't, I don't even really watch Scotland games. Like I have done when we are attempting to qualify and there's a chance, but even then, like I can never get properly invested. Listen, if we win the Nations League and qualify for the next tournament, I'll be chuffed, but I will be gutted if we don't qualify. So as a result, I'm not in that boat of people who gets delighted when their players are called up to the international team. I get it in terms of like it shows that we've been playing well and it's a byproduct of positivity. You very rarely get called up if you've not been doing well slash the only exception to that is if you're in a position that desperately needs filled. Um, However, I sent out a tweet a couple of days ago, I can't mind when, is that I was delighted to see that Naismith and Gordon weren't in the Scotland squad because my fear with Smith and Boyce at Northern Ireland level is that they are going to get hurt. And I don't care what the international side does. I care about hearts. They're the only club I care about. So if something, like, sure, great for Smith and Boyce if Northern Ireland are doing well, but if one of them comes back hurt, then to me that's just purely a negative. Now, I'm never going to say someday, He's a professional football player. Eh, forget about your international career. You need to focus on club level because Michael Smith, he's not a Hearts fan. Liam Boyce, he's not a Hearts fan. Stephen Naismith, he's not a Hearts fan. Craig Gordon's different. But those three would never put a club that they don't support above their homeland, their nation, where they've been born, grown up, and will probably live after their career. But I am always delighted when I see that Hearts players aren't included in the international team, but particularly injury-prone players like Neesmith, who are going to be so crucial for us next season. But what about you? No, that that makes two of us. I mean, I'm totally with you in that it's great that we have players that are deemed enough to or deemed good enough to be international players. But ultimately, I'm in that same bracket as you. I mean, what joy have Scotland ever given us? So. Well, this is the thing. We are in a very individual position. We have had a few tweets and uh, messages saying that one of the positives to our podcast is that we speak for a younger generation. Like, we are kind of, obviously, I just turned 23. You're a year younger than me. So, in our lifetimes, Scotland have never qualified for an international tournament. So, we don't have that kind of affection that some people, even just a few years older than us, have because they've at least seen Scotland internationally and then if you go back a few years more than that Scotland were regularly qualifying so I I will acknowledge that that if people come at us it is just because for our entire lives we've never seen Scotland at an international tournament so we don't have that same connection definitely and I think it's been there's been more heartbreak than than actual pleasure from watching Scotland. All we've um, got is that McFadden goal. Pretty much, I, I'm I'm still I'm still furious because Mark and Laurie touched on around the funnel, um, kind of the worst decisions that they'd ever seen. But this was obviously involving Hearts games. See that decision to give Italy a free kick, oh. and Luca Toni nods it in. That has got to be one of the worst of all time. Um, I will say also that McFadden goal and that uh, two-all game with England where we nearly won it. That I was at that, and that was insane. I've been to one Scotland game in my life, and it was a nil-nil draw at Hamden against Northern Ireland. 
and I, I vowed to, to never go to a Scotland game again. I've Don't seen, get me wrong, um, Crespo and Zanetti and Tevez against oh, Scotland no, and Mascherano. None of, none of that shenanigans. Uh, just not. Nah, uh, I've got Scotland tops. I'd, I'll be happy. <laughs> That's it. That's I, the I'll, be, I'll be happy if Scotland qualify, but I'm not going through to Hamden to watch them. Not, not a chance. Yeah. That's completely tailed away from a point. We're now going to get so much abuse for being anti-Scottish. No, well, I think given the SFB and the SPFL's exploits over Uh, the past few months, I don't think we're the only Hearts fans that will (laughs) be anti the Scotland national team. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Hearts Hearts are at the forefront of my mind. uh, Scotland qualified great. If they don't, boo-hoo, man. Like, it is what it is. Well, absolutely. That's a fantastically positive segue into what is going to be an interest. I don't know your opinions, really. Um, however, Heart of Midlothian Football Club have been back in the transfer market. And they have signed a player that we've kind of heard about from the start of the window who had been taken on trial. Then we got training stop for no inexplicable re- for no explicable reason. And then they had to go back home to Exeter. But now he's back and he's signed a deal. Adam what were your immediate thoughts when you saw that Elliot Freer had signed for Heart of Midlothian? Delighted that there's, there's another winger um, on the books. Uh, it's, I don't want to have to keep going back to that Sportsline podcast, but with Robbie on it, it is a great source of information. And he obviously touched on Elliot Freer, saying that he tried to get him at United. Um, he mentioned kind of the stats he mentioned a supposed great delivery, which is just music to my ears. Um, so, uh, no, it's good. He, obviously, he's added Roberts and Freer, but he's he's kind of hinting that a right winger is still the the priority, which which is great. And obviously, we've touched on centre back as well. He spoke briefly as well about Elliot Freer's stats, saying that he was in the top. Two, two or three in the league for kind of assists and top four for assists from set plays. So I think what's going to be interesting for me, because Ollie Lee, the season before he was loaned out, so the season before last, mm-hmm. I think he, he'd registered our most assists that season and he God. was pretty much on set pieces. So whether there's going to be contention now, I don't know. Um, but no, it's, it's good. Obviously... <laughs> What does intrigue me, and I know that the old man's going to absolutely slaughter me for saying this because he'll be listening, is why, if Robbie's such a big fan of his, has he only signed a one-year deal? Um, Well, this will quite seamlessly go into my thought to the signing. Um, I'm chuffed we've got a winger, but considering the fact that little bit of behind the scenes here when me and you were planning on what to discuss today I had forgotten we'd signed him <laughs> kind of says my thoughts listen I'm never ever going to be annoyed about a signing and I can't wait to see what he does and I'm fully 100% behind him for the first moment he puts on that kit I'm going to be like right you come on I believe in everything you can do he's apparently fast as fuck which is helpful and we've needed that. Um, but the one-year deal to me just screams that Robbie isn't sure that he can do it at the next level. Um, 
which I'd much rather have than giving players deals beyond their use and then going, oh, how are we going to offload it? I would much rather his quality for one season and we kind of get him again and kind of be like, oh, that's a bit gutting, but thanks for that one year. Whoever, it doesn't just need to be Elliot Freer, it could be anyone coming in. It's like, cheers for that one year, you were quality. Much like, I always think back to this, this wasn't even a year, this was five months. We got him in January. The last time we were back in the championship, Gennaro Zifuk just came in, scored loads of goals in a very short period of time. Obviously, it's gutting that we couldn't get him for any period of time. But it means that that memory is solidified and it'll never be tampered with. It's like he was quality. I hope that's what Elliot Freer does. Instead of Elliot Freer being handed a three-year deal, is very is all right in the championship, then barely plays at the next level. And we're kind of like, well, I feel we could have put that money to better use. So I actually think it's a great deal for all parties involved because it'll give Freer an incentive to kick on really quickly because he'll hope, well, if I play really well here, I'll be offered an extension. That's fair enough. I mean, you, you've touched on incentives there. Robbie was on about also trying to get Hearts players rather than a big wage as such to kind of have that appearance fee coming in. So it's an incentive. To yeah, and winning bonuses in that. Yeah. So... I think it's funny that you mentioned that. The one-year deal thing, he's obviously talked about another right winger as well. So that kind of suggests to me that he's still in the market for somebody that he believes is better than Elliot Freer. And that Freer won't be a bit part player as such because he will have a, a part to play. But I think I think you've hit the nail on the head with the incentive thing, definitely. Um whether this, I mean, I don't know who, who he's going to bring on on the right-hand side, but it'll be interesting. I don't think, certainly, he's talked about outs and ins. I'll be very surprised if there's not, I'd go with at least another two, two three ins. Mm-hmm. One of those has to be a centre-back and the other probably a, a first-choice right-winger for me. And this is the thing, please don't anybody think that we are even slightly right in the Elliot Freer off. Not at all. We're both fully behind them. It's just that the one-year deal thing has caused a lot of chatter and we wanted to discuss it because there is always a reason. But just my overall point, and as you just touched on there, it's so much better to give lower deals than longer deals that backfire. And and Robbie's obviously a big fan of his. So I've... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the gaffer. I mean, of course, it's it does just it just has that feel as though I've I've signed him with hopes of getting better. But if I don't get better, I've still got him as a fallback. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yep, definitely. So hey ho. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it works out. Fingers crossed. There's another couple of rivals through the door, and uh, yeah, hopefully the squad's. The squad continues to be in a better shape, definitely. Well, talking about arrivals, we have someone that is basically a new sign-in. And as we are recording this, we're recording this on Monday night. This afternoon, it's been a Monday. No one likes a Monday. I was at, I was working, struggling through internet problems. And then we get a five-minute interview with Peter Herring. Have you seen the full five minutes or have you just seen the clip? I've just seen the clip. But the clip was enough. I mean, that's just 
so so encouraging just cannot wait to see him back um just absolutely delighted i mean what what do you think well so i immediately went and watched the full five minutes um and i just i really appreciate where he's coming from now i can't remember what was said in the wee clip and what was said in the five minutes so i'll just kind of say it and you let me know if you knew this or not but a lot of the questions were obviously aimed at the fact of, listen, you're training now, so when are you going to be back? And he said two things that made me just calm down completely and really appreciate and be like, perfect, we're sorted. The first thing is that the big question was, how soon are you going to be back? And he went, I don't know, but I don't want to be rushed. He was like, Robbie has said to me, there is no rush at all. And he made a very clear point to say that last time, he pushed himself far too much, far too quickly, and had to get back. And that's why he's in this current situation. So he was like, he's not going to unnecessarily push himself. We've still got a month and a bit until the season starts, and he might not even be back for then. However, it has been so great that he's back already. And the second point was, again, the question was asked, are you going to be putting these preseason friendlies? And again, he was saying that Nielsen hasn't even spoken to him about that. So my main takeaway from it is, one, it's fantastic to hear that he is taking it slowly because I'd much rather wait a wee bit longer and have him back for the season than rush him in, he plays a few preseason games and then it's out for the rest of the season. And secondly, Nielsen is clearly on that mindset as well and it just immediately showcases the connection he's already made with these players. Absolutely bang on the money, mate. I think... We've we've touched on our expectations for the season, and I feel that with or without Peter Haring, we're good enough to win this league. Mm-hmm. So what is the rush? I mean, this should be all on recovery. I get that fans will be upset that if he's still collecting full pay and he's not got a part to play and yada yada yada. But I think when when he was at full flow and really doing his thing, he was one of the best DMs in the league for me. He's our best Definitely. player on his day. On his day, he's our best player. Do you think so? Definitely, without a doubt, because I saw a stat, I think it was from uh, Heart Stats, actually. Um, when he played, in his first 10 games, we conceded two goals. And in the period of time that he was out, in terms of the entire time. Now, obviously, squad changed so much, but in the entire time, we averaged conceding at least two goals a game. Wow. Jesus. He just dictated the game completely. Like, I saw, I remember when he first came in, a lot of people were like, he doesn't run around a lot, or he's not very fast. And it's like, it doesn't matter. He, the way he can just control a game for the middle of the park, we have missed that so so much. I'm not trying to say Naismith isn't important because behind hearing, I'd say Naismith is our most important player. But even when Naismith wasn't firing, we'd still win games because hearing could just find a pass, control everybody, calm everybody down. And when he was gone, we missed that desperately. It's like you're reading my mind because I've, I remember writing an article on Stephen Naismith being the catalyst for kind of hearts victories and performance 
are you, you reckon that Peter Haring is of a greater influence than Stephen Naismith, despite not contributing? Because you've touched on the goals that we've conceded, or the lack of goals that we conceded with him in the side. I think it's funny that we'll have probably conceded the same amount that he's scored in that kind of 10-game spell that you were on about. But do you think that Peter Haring has a greater influence than, than Stephen Naismith? Definitely, because he is a massively, massively over-example. I'm not saying anybody at our level is at this level, but the the way Haring plays is similar the influence that Kante has in a team, again, before anybody says him. I knew you were going to throw up that name, by the way. I knew it. Before, I, was, I was literally thinking, I was thinking, who are the most influential DMs <laughs> of this generation? And I was like, I wonder who he's going to say. Right. I know everybody is going to be in my mentions and stuff like that saying, I can't believe you're comparing Peter Haring to N'Golo Kante. I'm not. I'm saying the influence he has is similar in the sense of that Leicester team that won the league, I believe that if you could take any player out and it would ruin it, it would be Kante. Yes, Vardy got the goals, Mahrez got the assists and the goals. But I believe that without them, Leicester still would have had a chance because Kante basically was like two men in the middle of the park and dictated everything. Obviously, Mahrez went to Man City, arguably better team than Chelsea, especially at that time. But... Kante's influence on the game and then he went on to dominate the World Cup and help his nation win a World Cup. That is what Herring does to us. Herring settles everybody. He reads a game. He finds a pass that no one else can. He'll, he'll be involved in a move that, yeah, maybe he didn't directly contribute to a goal but he started it or he won the ball back that then led to us going up the other end of the park and scoring. When Peter Herring plays, I am confident we'll get a result. When he doesn't play, I feel it could go either way. That's interesting. Um, you obviously touched on Leicester as well. I think, I think the the key part as to why they were so successful with Kante, and arguably why we are perceived to be successful with Haring, is is playing to the system. And he's <laughs> he's he's the linchpin, definitely. You you've touched on there kind of not popping up with goals, but he's, I mean, he's, st- he's still a presence. He's still a physical presence as well, which is useful. He's not slow. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I get, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. Even, even if he doesn't contribute up the top end, he has the potential to be contributing up the top end. And I, I, th- I think he's, I think he's, as much use in either box. But that being said, do you mind when he was chucked up front for the derby? Yeah, I do. I do. That was weird. Oh, some laugh. That um, epitomised everything about us, that that game. Just epitomised hearts. That entire season. Yeah. But a time where we could have used Peter Haring, but as we said, he's not really playing just now, is... The fact that Adam Hart's played a game of football in 2020. This is where we need that hallelujah again. Yeah, I'll get it in. It'll come in the now. Um, yeah, no, delighted, uh, delighted to see the boys back in action. Um, and right, guess... wait, first, before you're going to be positive here, 
we're a Hearts uh-huh. podcast. I need to focus on something negative for a second. Go on. Can everybody please, for the love of God, calm no, down that Craig Gordon and Stephen Naismith weren't in the squad. It's pre-season. It's the first pre-season of the, of the season. It, it, it doesn't matter. It was also then explained after the game, as Nielsen said, Craig was ill and Nielsen had a tiny wee strain on his calf, so there was no need to risk it. But the outpouring of negativity that Craig Gordon wasn't starting in goals was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. And I think so was the fact that A.D. White was playing as a makeshift centre-half or that we we only had one really recognised centre-half in the form of Craig Halkett. Mm-hmm. Listen, man, it's pre-season. Like, relax. Like, Sheffield United have had a tremendous debut campaign in let's face it, one of the best leagues in the world. I'm not going to say it's the best, but one of the best leagues in the world. Why Why do Hearts fans do this? Like, this isn't, this isn't a result that's going to define our season. Here's a question it, for you. And even if it does, I mean, we, we, lost, we lost to a team of full internationals, a team that was pushing for European football from the English Premier League last season, we lost by a solitary goal, which was a great goal. Why? Why does everybody get so so ratty? Like, right? Here's a question for you, right? Uh huh. How much stock do you put in a preseason results? Absolutely none whatsoever. Well done. All I care none. about is fitness. L- literally, Robbie has said himself, it was a good workout for us. Not. Not it was it was a terrible performance. Not it was anything to do with kind of results, expectation. Literally nothing other than it's a boost of fitness. Mm-hmm. Everybody and just... it was only one nil. It was only one nil against as a team you just said were pushing for Europe. And it That's was what the... I'm saying. And they'd been playing regularly for the last five months. It was a great goal. It was a great goal. It was, it was an amazing switch. Yeah, yeah, the the ball out to the right hand side was was decent. Um, I mean, I I I caught the Sheffield United highlights. <laughs> this is where I'll go back on myself here because it does make it look as though they're shitting on us. However, the fact that it only does remain one nil, considering, like I say, it's a pretty makeshift defence. In all honesty, I think it's fairly encouraging. And a brand new system. It was a. Three at the back that Robbie said after it that it's not the desired formation that we want to go to next season, but it's good to have that option. So it's a defensive system that the team is not used to playing with three defenders that only one of them play in that regular position. Yeah, in 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 Halkett. I mean, I it's funny you've touched on formation there. What I mean, what do you think? What do you think he's going to go with for the majority? Four four two again. Either four four two or I wouldn't mind a four two three one. Yeah, yeah. They they're the two I've got in my head with with Naismith in the hole. Yeah. Or up alongside Boyce ultimately. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I don't know who you'd play in a four four two or in either actually. With Hickey's got to be away. So would you play Garucho or White? Garucho for me. I'd I'd personally play Garucho as well. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, this, it'll be interesting to see how this changes. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Like I say, he says it's a great workout. V- what does it matter? I mean, Sheffield United, like, are are in the prem, have taken to it like a duck to water. Hopefully, they don't suffer from second season syndrome, and then it makes us look bad. But I don't see that happening. I think they've got a great team, full of internationals, a great manager. Like, why? Why is everybody getting their knickers in a twist? Exactly. Exactly. Well, we will leave it there now, Adam. Could you sum up how this recording process has been for the lovely listeners of Perth to Paisley? No. <laughs> so it's been an absolute disaster. It's been a shit show from start to finish. I, I knew I knew there'd be something wrong with today because I'd sent you some stuff with kind of how we were gonna set out the pod and whatever. <laughs> and the lack of response was very worrying. It got to about seven o'clock, quarter past seven. And I'm like, where the hell's Daniel? Like, Daniel's not messaged me. Then I went onto your Twitter, because I know that you're active on Twitter all the time. I was like, oh my God, there's been no activity. Like, I, I, wonder, I wonder what's going on. <laughs> um, and lo, lo and behold, there's just been internet issues throughout several interrupted recordings that you're going to buy the power of your fantastic editing are going to make it seem as though that's absolutely not the case. I hope. It might not be. This might sound like the most disjointed podcast ever. We don't know how long it is. We've been recording for roughly an hour. It could be 28 minutes out of the amount we can salvage. However, we (laughs) hope... We're lucky that the vast majority of it will will probably be (laughs) previous podcasts (laughs) of Andy Driver and one that isn't even ours, Sports Sound and Robbie's comments. So we're going with that. We hope that that can carry us for this episode. Um, Obviously, make sure you're tuned in next week. We hope that we've got some more stuff to talk about. Obviously, that's not going to be too much of an issue because we'll have Robert Borthwick on. Um, But any kind of requests, any questions you've got, feel free to contact us on Twitter and uh, by email. You've obviously touched on that earlier, Daniel. But what's your personal Twitter? It is at McIver the Mark. I really hope that this is just, that no one even noticed this, that it's just sounded like a normal podcast. And then they're going to get to the end of this and be like, wow, that sounds very tough, but fair play to the guys for just powering through because that's what we do for your entertainment. Adam, what is your personal Twitter? My personal Twitter, if you want to, I don't know, check out a little rant perhaps about this recording, is uh, <laughs> at Adam. Will de- that will definitely be uploaded right now. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, how sad is that? I'm going to take to Twitter. I'm going to fire out shed loads of abuse for no apparent reason, just because we've been aiming to get this podcast out for you lovely people, the Jambo family. So make sure that you're tuned in and we'll catch you next week. Take care.